fire, fire. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the Pete the Planner show. It's so good to be with you yet another week. That was mildly insincere, though, if I'm being honest. It sort of just started to come out. I had to finish the sentence, but alas. Hello, joining me this week, special guest, co-host, the newly appointed director of education at your money line, Kristen Alanis. Hello, Kristen. Hello. I'm so happy to be back. Are you the, uh, by popular demand, may I note that you are back, have we decided, are you the queen of education, the queen of content, like, because your queen title always is with you. Right. What direction have we chosen? Yeah, the queen of Texas, the queen of peanut butter eggs, the queen mm. of, right? Um, I think the queen of content works for me. I like that. All right. Well, Kristen, welcome back. It's good to be with you. Uh, Damien will be our field reporter this week. <laughs> he will be with us here in a few minutes, actually several minutes. Uh, he will come in to do the news. But uh, uh, let me get the banner lined up here because I know how much the podcast audience loves when I talk through visuals look i even on the ticker this week i even put a little uh title for you on there look so, look at me good because i never know the lyrics i have to google them every time so that would have been embarrassing jeremy notes uh possible listener of the year here in 2022 good morning duns wait dame you did something different with your hair looking good that's uh <laughs> by you. the way pilot jeremy I was on your airline quite a bit uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, again, next week, I will be on your airline quite a bit. And my goal is always for you to be the pilot of that ship. And someday that dream will come true. I don't know. Uh, Kristen, I have this story to tell you. I was, uh, you know, I coach a a girl's 13 year old soccer team. Mm -hmm. And last night, um, I. we, we had practice, but then a lot of our girls weren't there because they were running in the middle school track meet, which was actually on the same campus of which our soccer practice is. So the last few minutes of practice, I was like, all right, girls, let's go support our teammates. So we all went over and are, like they were wearing their soccer training kits. And, like they all have the same sort of thing. So we go up against the fence and we're watching the track meet. So it's like seven of us. And then there's like seven girls from the team there and they all come over. It's like this nice moment. I took a team picture with girls in track uniforms and our soccer thing. Uh, And there were a couple girls on my soccer team who, by the way, I'm not making fun of uh, tween girls here. I'm just like trying to help you understand how different the 44 year old brain is than maybe the 13 year old brain. So, so two girls are sort of reluctant to go up against the fence. Like they're, they're sort of standing back, but everyone else is like hanging on the fence. Like they're watching a, a minor league baseball game or something. And Chris and I was like, uh, uh, you, you want to come up here? They're like, no, I, I actually, I don't want to do a voice like that. Cause I don't want it to be like uh, insulting. They're okay. like, no. And I was like, uh, we can, I, we're all just hanging out cheering for our teammates. And they're like, no, there's people over there. And I was like, yes, there are people there. And they're like, and they'll see us. And I was like, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, yeah, they will see you. And and I was like, are you upset about, um, are you upset? Like, like you're in your soccer training kit and you don't want to see you or your hair's up. And they're like, no, but people will see us. And I was like, okay. And, and, and then they're like, and we can see them. And that's just embarrassing. And I was like, well, when you're at school, you see people, right? And they're like, yes. And I was like, is that embarrassing? No. No. <laughs> and so it's like this thing. It's like, 
Uh, Kristen, how do I, how do I get my head around this? I I have no idea. I mean, I empathize with like the people thing, but yeah. like. Get me wrong. I, I don't like people either. But that's I, like, what I'm, I'm saying. Not, like, I didn't yeah. want to say it, but since you said yeah. it, I don't. I'm cool with that. But yeah. no, they're like you're telling me. One of them goes, "You're telling me when you're in middle school, if you were at a place where people could see you and you could see them, it wouldn't embarrass you." I was like, not really. And then one of them was like, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, well, I don't, I'm going <laughs> to, that's fine. That's great. I love well, those girls. Eons ago when yeah. I was in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm yeah. opening to Miguel. So we make yeah. sure the show is good. Excellent. Is Miguel um, espresso or just coffee? It, it's actually just coffee. It is okay. a, a cold brew coffee, 100% Colombian. Um, and it's delicious. And so we're excited about that. All right. Um, and Jameson notes that Damien has hair. Yeah. Kristen, uh, by the way, congrats on your promotion. Thank Very you. excited for you. The director of education. You have a, a, a special knack for, for communicating what people need to know about money. And that's very special to us around here. So I'm really proud of you. Congrats on your, your you. promotion. Thank you. Mm. All right. Here's what we're going to do this week. This whole topic this week is shame. And in pre-show, Kristen, I sang shame to fame. I'm going to live forever. Like from the 80s show fame. And then you said I wasn't alive then. I was not living at that time. No. Yeah. Which then brought up the topic when you aren't born yet. You're dead. You're, are you dead? You're dead. Are you dead before you're alive? Yes. Is it dead, alive, dead? Yes. And then alive, depending on your belief. It's, <laughs> life is binary. Dead, alive, dead. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Okay. Um, so let's start the show. Um, I have a, uh, uh, we're going to start with a segment, um, a question from a listener, uh, which was my Indianapolis Business Journal column this week. And then we're going to talk a lot about shame. Um, there is an amazing book that I will recommend during the show that I don't want to uh, give away just yet. Plus, because I have to look up the title uh, that talks about shame. So anyway, um, Kristen, what are you reading right now? Are you reading anything good right now? Um, actually, no, I'm kind of I mean, I read like 60 books last year and then this year I just kind of like fell off of that wagon and haven't really picked anything up. I'm very like all or nothing when it comes to reading. I am too. In fact, I'm currently on three books. I've got two business books and a pleasure book going. Pleasure books, just like a dumb spy novel, you know, where I feel like I'm relevant. You and Chad. Me and Chad. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, the two books I'm reading right now, I'm reading an amazing book that I think I'm going to ask that everyone read at our organization called Crucial Conversations. Mm-hmm. It's a great, great conversation, a great book just about communication in difficult circumstances, like how to make sure that you're doing it right. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other one I'm reading is called Give and Take by Adam Grant, which I talked about on the show last week. I, I mm-hmm. still recommend that everyone read that too. Okay. Who no one cares? All right. Let's start the show in, oops, not ready. Go figure. You knew that was going to happen. Uh, da, 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 da. We're having a cocktail party here at the office later today. Ew. A little happy hour. I'm making cocktails for people, Kristen. I know. The glory of being a remote employee. Yep. So at 3.30, I'm going to pop open a fresca and pour it over some tequila. Do whatever you want. Tequila. I have to work until 9. I cannot drink t- Tequila at I don't know. Well, you, you do you. In three, <laughs> two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And here's what will happen. Sometimes I'll actually read it on the air. And today I'm going to do 
just that. Normally joining me on the show is someone not related to me. His name is Damian Dunn. He's not with me today. So I introduce another person who is not related to me. She is the Director of Education at Your Money Line, an organization that I happen to work for. Uh, her name is Kristen Alanius, and she joins us now. Kristen, hello. Hello. Happy welcome. to be back. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say, welcome back Yes. to the show. Kristen, I asked you earlier this week what you wanted to talk about this week, and you said, you know, what about shame? So the whole show is dedicated to financial Shane, briefly, what what uh, did something motivate this? Like, what what, what even what's been on your mind? Um, well, I kind of shared before the show um, that some variables in my personal life that mm -hmm. people have opinions about in respect to money, um, and that kind of triggered the conversation for me. I think is like for me right now, like I said, going through a little bit of change and um, having that shame that's associated with it. I was like, I think there's there's something else here. I agree. And I got an email this week and I wrote about it in the Indianapolis Business Journal. I want to share it now because it really hits on this topic. Dear Pete, my son is graduating from college next month and doesn't have a job yet. Time out. So Kristen, um, the person certainly got uh, three pieces of information out so far. Number one, the letters addressed to me. Number two, they have a, a child graduating from school and there is no job yet. Do you do you read into the fact because you, you know, you read emails for a living, right? <laughs> for people asking financial questions. I always think it's interesting in what order people give you information. So this person is, I have to say, bent currently. Yeah. Yeah. I think leading with and using the word yet, I think is very telling. <laughs> yeah. I feel it feels like a, a tap of the finger. It's like, come on. Exactly. He's Yeah. Our goal was for him to move out of our family home upon graduation and right into an apartment. This plan is less and less likely to happen as it seems he's running out of time. Well, I feel like we may have been right with our guests. My concern is there won't be an ideal time for him to make the transition into his own household. This already is starting to feel a bit like a failed effort. Any advice? I, Kristen, uh, we are on the radio and on a podcast and, uh, yes, live streaming to the Internet. But you did grimace there that I the, did. the listeners may not have picked up on uh, what, what makes you what makes you grimace there. Oh, Kristen has frozen up. Kristen has frozen up. Oh, no. Oh, no, you're back. I'm okay. back. The I'm oh, so no. You recovered with the oh, no. Um, what, what gives you pause there? I think that it's just a lot of pressure and it's a lot of decisions to make it once. And it feels a little harsh. It feels a little shamed. Um, so I guess it just, yeah, it just caused me to kind of like pull back a little bit because it felt harsh. Yeah, I agree. I, I think sometimes what we're talking about is the concept of launching, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's sort of the, the the popular way we talk about having someone leave the nest Um and the reality is all launches are different because all people are different and all circumstances are different. And there's two components to a launch that I think people sometimes lose sight of one of those launches, Kristen. The first is obvious. It's the physical notion that a person no longer lives in the household. That is, that is a practical thing. It is pragmatic. Um, so that's one side of it. But the other side of it is is the person prepared to create their own stability? And that's where this thing gets real sticky real fast. Kristen, stability when a person starts their own household is vitally important. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And when you think about stability, especially if there's going to be a rental situation, I mean, the upfront cost associated with jumping out of the nest, if that's what the child is doing, it, it's pretty significant. So by the time you have the income locked down and then the expense associated with moving, the expense associated with setting up that household, I think that the stability won't be there at this point. And, but I, I also think that's okay. It sounds like the parents not okay with that, but I think that's okay. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting when a person starts their own household for the first, because this kid theoretically has been subsidized his entire life. Like mm-hmm. his, so so what he doesn't yet understand is that he is going to start his adult life with a past, uh, theoretically, if he has student loans. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he will also have an obligation to create stability for his future in the form of savings and retirement savings. And then he is yet to choose a lifestyle that allows those other two elements to, to coexist. And so I think whether the person launches upon graduation or launches six months later, I don't think anyone should launch until you've taken into account those three time elements. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And to maybe the perspective for the parent here is if the child is moving their financial life forward, if they're putting in job applications, if when they do secure that income source, if they're saving money for that down payment, the parent's actually kind of in a position to uh, help launch the child, right? Because if you can live with your parents or um, if you can save those additional dollars, when they do launch, they'll be a lot more stable. So maybe looking at it as maybe a six-month opportunity versus not being ready is a better perspective. I agree. I, I think the biggest mistake that can be made, there's two giant mistakes that could be made here. One's aggressive and it is like, get out, figure it out. Like that's a, that, that makes no sense. It reminds me of like when a kid learns to ride their bike without training wheels, like the c- context matters. Um, you have to let go of the seat at some point in time so they can pedal, but maybe not on a downhill or maybe on a curve going into traffic. Right. Like the context matters. The other giant mistake, and I've seen this one so many times, is that, okay, I'm going to stay at home with my parents. I'm going to get on my feet. But then instead of using that margin uh, to pay down debt, to even simulate um, a rent payment by saving that additional amount of money, the person increases their lifestyle immediately in like discretionary areas like like oh, food and entertainment. And then they're stuck because they can't ever simulate that rent payment and they're there for years. Yeah, I think it's very dangerous. I think that you have to be really mindful if you're the child and you do secure that income. You have to, to your point, you have to simulate that rent payment. You have to be saving for the cost associated with launching. So, and not everybody's able to do that. That's a really hard thing too. And there's no shame in that, right? And saying that you're, you have a hard time not spending money that's made available to you. You might have to take some really proactive steps to make sure you can get that done. Yeah. You know, in the rest of this episode actually is about shame. Uh, This concept that other people's opinions or perceived opinions or the perception that those opinions even exist can drive not only feelings, emotions, but action. And and so Kristen, I'm curious before we go to the break here, um, when you, when you think of shame, uh, 
and this is a personal question, do you think of it as more as a primary motivator for you or a demotivator for you? It's a motivator for me. And that's probably not the healthiest thing because I probably care too much about perception of me just in general. Um, so definitely not. a. I mean, it motivates me, but not probably in the best way. Yeah, I think about it the same way I think of stress, that stress is a motivator. Shame is a motivator. Um, and it's an actual great initial motivator, but it's wholly unsustainable. Absolutely. And, and it, it can create a tremendous amount of damage. So I will answer that same question. Um, yeah, I probably am probably more motivated by shame than demotivated by shame. But I, I, I'm an action-oriented person, too. I, I tend to not sit on ideas or thoughts. I tend to act. So that's the fact. So let's do this. Let's come back after the break. We're going to talk about shame. How has it impacted people's finances? Where can it go wrong and where can it go right? That's all next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I want to just start calling myself Peter Dunn. Should we weigh in on this? Mm-mm. I don't know. No. Sort of like, you know, how long can Steve from Blue's Clues be Steve from Blue's Clues? At some point, he's just Steve. Eternity. No, he released that video on Instagram and millennials freaked out. And it's been like two decades. I don't know. I'm just thinking like I might be done with it. Nah. Peter Dunn was the former CEO of Steak and Shake. But I... Yeah. And I also have to know there was a Peter Dunn and I could get my facts wrong here. So I'm just, there's, there's some allegedly about the beginning here. I believe there was a guy that was like the head of CBS television named Peter Dunn. And I believe he uh, may have been relieved of his duties due to like misconduct in the workplace, if you know what I mean. Good. So maybe so I, sticking with Pete the planner. Yeah, I'm able to stick with Pete the planner. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Kristen, let's get into shame. By the way, it is nice to have Damien Dunn in the comments right now of the... Even though he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, he says something. So earlier in the show, we were talking about... Of course, you know this because it's not like you picked up the podcast 18 minutes in. By the way, if you happen to just started listening at the 18-minute mark, you're not going to understand the previous reference. But just for your information, we we're trying to just like... Prior to being born, are, are you... You're not, you're not alive... Are you dead? And Damien's theory here is something that hasn't been created can't be dead. It simply doesn't exist. I don't know. I disagree. All right. Uh, Jeremy asks, Pete, is this a midlife broadcaster crisis changing your name? I don't know. Maybe it is. But I, I think people are, are around, uh, at least the Your Money Line offices, know that uh, I am full support of depeating as much as we can. So... <laughs> It's like, it's enough about me. Let's just bring on some other voices. Um, all right. So you ready to do the, the, the shame thing here? Yes. Okay. Where, where shall we start? What, what shall be the elementary question? What, what, I got it. What role does shame play in our financial lives? So we'll talk about housing. We'll talk about college choice. We can talk yep. about cars. Um, we can talk about clothes. We can talk about Instagram. Yes. Things. All right. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. It's the shame game. That's right. You're listening to a brand new episode of the shame game. 
It's the game where we talk about the role of shame in your financial life. Our special guest co-host for this week on The Shame Game is Kristen Alanius. She is the Director of Education at Your Money Line. Kristen, I asked you what you wanted to talk about this week, and you said shame. And I was like, oh, we're going to have a whole show around shame. And you were like, no, 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 Peter. I meant shame on you. <laughs> and then yet we're doing this topic. Kristen, how much do you think popular culture uh, influences shame? A, a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't know like what the percentage is, but I, it's, I think it's far more than we give it credit for or want to give it credit for, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into the keeping up with the Joneses thing. Cause I just, I'm, I'm so over that whole right. thing, but I will, I will note the first moment I felt shame, I think from a financial perspective, there's always jealousy in comparison. Like that's a thing outside mm -hmm. of money. Do you remember? Well, you don't remember. Oh. I was dead. There was a show. That's right. There was a show. You'll know this show on MTV back in the day called Crips. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're familiar with the concept. Yes. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's not a new concept. It is not an old concept. It's a concept that exists. You, you go to a, a notable person's house who happens to have a lot of wealth and they show you all their stuff, you know? Uh, and, and one of those elements of the show, for some reason on Cribs, was they, the celebrity would always open their refrigerator and in, in most cases, the refrigerator was stocked with copious amounts of beverages all lined up in a row, like soldiers right. ready to be deployed onto the battlefield. And, and I remember watching that for the first time as a young married person. I think it was like the year 2000, thinking, I need, I need beverages in my fridge. Yeah. I have great shame over this. Do you remember the first time you saw something in pop culture and you thought, What's wrong with me? I don't have this. Um, I think my generation is semi-defined by like the coach purse. That was a really big deal. I definitely think that that's one is like, did someone have the signature coach shoe or signature coach purse? That was a big deal. Just so you know, um, that same mechanism that same manifestation of shame has carried over into my daughter's generation See? as a 13 year old yeah yep. that yeah the coach purse has become part of my life uh like i never thought it would is it popular again i don't know my daughter's into it but i don't know if that okay. makes it popular or not um yeah i think what's interesting about shame is that it can lead people to a really bad financial place mm -hmm. I, I think the first place that really starts with college choice yes you know, um, let's just speak in pretty blunt terms here. There are some colleges that are sexier than other colleges. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's unfortunate, right? There, because in, in many instances, a person should probably get a less expensive, less extensive degree. Mm -hmm. But the stigma that comes with that, which is driven by shame, ends up putting that person in a bad spot. 100%. I just had this conversation with someone, a participant and her kid, and they were just like, we don't know what to do. We can't afford this. And I was like, let's look at more cost effective options. And they ended up choosing like a community college, like satellite campus type offering because the price tag was just not comparable at all. You know, you remember a college sweatshirt day at your high school? Did you guys ever have yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, part of it's there. 
Absolutely. Because you get the top 10 kids in the, in the class, right? Like, by the way, I was not in the top 10. I was not right. in the top 10. Yes, you were. I was not. Come on. I was not. I'm not buying it. I wasn't. I'll send top, you my transcript. Top, Please don't. Top 20? <laughs> um. Well, there were only like 120 some kids okay. that went to my school. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, top 10 kids were in like Yale, you know, Harvard, Notre Dame, those sorts of things. Uh, but then but it, it, a lot of the kids that made the smarter choice from a financial perspective, they're not wearing that sweatshirt, you know? Mm-mm. No. And the smartest choice might have been to not go to school at all. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> because if if you're constantly told by society that college is the next path, then you feel shame if you don't go to college. Yet, depending on, on how you're wired, it may make absolutely no sense. I have no numbers here to share, but I will say anecdotally that I do believe there is a, a fair amount of people out there that their financial life has been temporarily ruined by the shame they felt in the idea of not going to college. Therefore, they started college, didn't finish, ended up with debt, and, and now they have regrets. Absolutely. And without giving away too many details, there was an adult who was influential when I was making a college choice who said to a lot of people at one time that if we didn't go to college, that we would work in a factory our whole lives and nobody wants to do that. And I was just like, wow, that's a terrible thing to tell influential young minds. And it's also not true. Like you can do whatever you want to do and school's not for everybody. You know, I feel like we've just hit the point of emphasis for the show today in the sense that so often you hear people say, In conversation, you don't do this. You're going to end up being a garbage man. You're going to end up being a janitor. You're going to end up being a Walmart greeter. If you don't save for retirement, you're going to end up being a a server here and there. It's like, uh, explain to me again why we're marginalizing those people. Right. I do not understand. I don't get it. People love the haves and have nots. And the more have nots you can create in your mind, then the further you are away from being a have not. And so that's this idea of like, I know educators, of course, and, and uh, school counselors, they, they want to push you towards being your best. But just as they treat us to or teach us to not treat others poorly to make ourselves feel better, I don't think they have to make it a binary choice between college and being what they deem to be destitute. Uh, definitely not. So now I take back what I said earlier about how life is binary. That came right back and got me. How about housing? For for me, the shame comes with renting. This is the idea that if you're renting, that you're a second place citizen and that the uh, your life's out of control. And I think this is also tied into you know, the, the movement of home ownership's the American dream. And if you if you aren't a homeowner, then you know, shame befallen upon your house. Um, you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's a ton of shame there. And I, when I'm, people love to throw the, fa- the phrase out, you're paying off someone else's mortgage. And it's like, 
I mean, sort of, but it's not like your entire rent payment is paying off their liability and there's a lot of risk there for them. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with renting. I think that you have to know if renting is the right thing for you. I think you have to make a proactive decision about whether homeownership or renting makes sense where you're at in life. But I don't think that it's as black and white or binary as just like, oh, renters are second class or whatever phrase people are using. Yeah, it's interesting to me, this topic, because sometimes if people will move into a home so that they are homeowner because they have shame in renting, Mm -hmm. yet it will instantly set their financial life back a decade or more because they don't necessarily have uh, an emergency fund or the ability to maintain the home. And so they're instantly in debt and it, it, it becomes an issue. I'll tell you this before we hit the break here. Uh, years ago, this is probably 2007. It was 2007. Um, I know of a company where the CFO was doing home ownership courses because within the culture of the organization, they had made the determination some way in shape and form that people were better if they were homeowners than if no. they were renters. So this was in 2007. I think it was something like 47% of people who went through this CFO-led class for homeownership ended up in foreclosure yeah. within 18 months. And it was just another example of how shame, even at the workplace, can set someone back. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. More on the Pete the Planner Show. It's the shame game. We'll see you in a moment. We'll see you in a moment. Kind of rookie ass. <laughs> see you in a moment. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, the, the person's like going to the hardware store right now on Sunday in Indiana, listening to this. And they're like <laughs> about to run in and, and buy some ant killer. Because uh, yeah, we saved the bees, saved the spiders, screw the ants. And uh, they're like, oh, we've got to get out because he's going to see us in a moment. Maybe he's a greeter at the store because he didn't go to college. That's how it's all tied in. At least you turned your mic on today. That's true. Uh, we started the show. I couldn't hear Kristen as we were doing pre-show. And uh, new mic. New mic. Dane new mic. sent it to her. You got a whole new setup. And uh, you didn't turn the mic on. Didn't. I really, like, you know, you, I, I mentioned the Walmart greeter thing. That is one of my, that is one of my biggest pet peeves when we talk about retirement planning is there was a period of time and this is probably before your time and maybe it's still you tell me where people were like gotta do this you're gonna end up being a greeter at walmart and and like i found that just to be a disgusting binary choice and and i'm curious if 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 that was your experience absolutely i still think it's like that yeah yeah i don't know know. people love people love to have opinions and then those who live in glass houses, I think is how that goes. You know, the book I was thinking about, actually, I'm going to look it up. I was talking about, there's a book about shame that I, uh, and then my friend Nadia uh, from growing up, she was in the, in the, the Facebook chat here. She mentioned that Brene Brown obviously does a lot um, in the, the area of shame and empathy. <laughs> and we of course love Brene Brown around our parts. This book that I highly, highly recommend about shame is called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And it's by John Ronson. That's John with no H because he's from the UK. Uh, John Ronson, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Uh, If you've never read a a John Ronson book, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get your new favorite author. Cool. 
you will read his first, you will read this book, uh, my recommendation, hopefully. Uh, and then you will go through his entire catalog. He is a nonfiction writer um, who writes about current events in various ways. He is hilarious. And if you happen to be an audiobook person like me, he reads to uh, he reads the audiobook, his voice, yes. and he's incredibly talented. Uh, Kristen, uh, add to your list, do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, when I get back into reading, <laughs> when, oh, I, when, when I get back to that point, absolutely, I wrote it down. It'll be on my list. Uh, I don't want to deviate too far off the financial path, but I, I think something worth noting around shame is that... Uh, I think in pop culture today, especially as it, re, you know, world events and politics, it's not enough to disagree with someone um, or to share a different perspective. There's this feeling that you have to prove them wrong and then shame on them for not seeing it the way you do. And that, that sort of sucks. <laughs> mm -hmm. It does. It does. Because even to have an opinion or like to post an Instagram caption or a Facebook caption, I I immediately think through like, what is someone going to disagree with this? Or like when I write content for us, I'm like, is somebody going to like disagree with this and like just rake me over the coals? Because you're right. It's not enough. I have to be wrong. And you have to make sure that I know that I'm wrong. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I mean, that's really pulled me off of social media. Same. I was talking to Oz, uh, our business operations manager here this week. And we're just talking about like, it's interesting to see people who continuously put their life out there. And, and that's, and for me, it's weird because I was that person at one point in time, I put a lot of my life out on social media and I don't really don't that much anymore. And I personally had a sort of an awakening that way. And, and for those people's sake, I hope they do whatever they want to do, but you, you wonder if that awakening is coming for them as well. Mm -hmm. I, but it's also polarizing and like yeah. people, people, some people I think like that. So it's not for me. I'm too soft. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing I thought about this week and uh, deep uh, philosophy here on the Pete the Planner show podcast and live stream is, do you remember a period? Well, actually, again, our, 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 our different generations, there was a point in time where if I had a dumb thought about something or an unpopular opinion, no one knew it. Mm -hmm. No one knew it. There wasn't a, there wasn't a mechanism to get it out there. So, uh, Think about this for a second. Of our acquaintances and our friends, our close friends, people's names we know, all of a sudden we know so much about their opinions on so many things that it's easy to find a reason to not like people anymore. Right. Where at one point in time, you kind of gave people the benefit of the doubt because you didn't know what they thought. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in the comments, Rick has... Rick has our next segment, I think. All right. Well, big Rick Swink brings it every week. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's gotten more common for people to get shamed for success, success, or at least for living as if they are successful, expensive cars, houses, meals, et cetera. Ooh, I like that. Can we talk about that? I like that a lot. Okay. So this next segment is going to frustrate people because <laughs> I'm about to defend the billionaire. You're in trouble. I know, and I'm okay Monitor with your it. email. I know. Well, I don't. I don't read my email anymore. <laughs> Sam. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Okay, so uh, feel free to shame my email about what I'm about to say right now. I've gotten to a point in my career where if someone's going to email me and tell me how much I suck, 
I have someone else checking that email. <laughs> that, my friend, is success. I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding about someone else checking my email, but I am kidding that I, I'm gleeful about it. No, I'm not kidding about that. I am gleeful about it, but you know what I mean. Okay. 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 All right. Um, in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking shame today. When I talk about shame, I think of one person. I'm just kidding. Uh, Kristen Alanius uh, is our special guest co-host this week. She's the director of education at your Moneyline, a company that I happen to work for. Uh, hello, Kristen, once again. Hello again. So, um, you know, we live stream this show every Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern to various platforms, which are generally platforms used to induce shame amongst others. Uh, and uh, one of our uh, frequent listeners, big contributor to the show, a guy named Rick notes uh, during the break. Um, maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's gotten more common for people to get shamed for success or at least for living as if they are successful, expensive cars, houses, meals, etc. So Kristen, when I think about this, my wife was an educator for a number of years, a high school English teacher. And um, at one point in time, uh, I, I owned a Lexus. And when I bought the Lexus, uh, I believe used, uh, the Lexus dealership gave me a Lexus travel coffee mug. Okay. And so Mrs. Planner took the Lexus travel coffee mug to school one day with her morning coffee and a kid walked by her desk. This is, again, I'm not making fun of 16 year old kids. And he, and he looks at it and he goes, must be nice <laughs> like that. And, but again, he's a 16 year old kid. What's, what, right. uh, who cares? Uh, but when I think about shame for people who have different things than others, I think back to that moment my, my Mrs. Planner and I oftentimes will talk about that. Like we will all sort of laugh. It must be nice. We say that a lot. That sentiment sort of works its way around as people have different lifestyles. Yeah. I had a, I had a good friend of mine make a similar comment about the vehicle that I have. Um, must be nice. If I had your money, like, well, work on your budget, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, and it's a weird thing because one, I don't believe in shaming people who don't have things. Absolutely. But it's just as silly to shame people who do have things. Absolutely. Or to make assumptions about what that means underneath. And I got busted for that. I told you this story the other day that I saw a very expensive vehicle in town. And one of my friends was like, she made a comment. She was like, oh man, like, I wonder who drives that. And I was like, somebody with too much debt. And I caught myself. I was like, wait a minute, maybe not. You never know. It is tough. I mean, it, we learn from an early age to not judge a book by its cover. Um, but that goes both ways. Uh, so during the break, I, I mentioned to the podcast and, and live stream audience, like, I'm, I'm going to take a stance here that I will probably regret, but I, I do feel this way. While I understand the reason behind the anti-billionaire movement, like I, I totally understand it, like income equality, wealth uh, inequality, um, uh, tax issues, all I, I, I get it. I get the argument. But just the general shame on the wealthy, I, I just don't get that. And by the way, I'm not saying that as like an uber wealthy person because I'm not. I'm saying that like I just don't get the logic well, if a person um, 
happens to have money that disqualifies them as a reasonable person. Yeah, I I don't really understand that narrative. And to your point, there's a lot more to unpack there, but just on the surface to be like, oh, well, this person doesn't produce anything, right? Or like they just, they founded this company and they have all this money. Like I, I don't really get behind that or understand that either. Yeah, I, I what's funny uh, in politics on, on uh, both parties sometimes will paint the opponent in an election or primary or whatever they'll they'll paint the other person as an elitist Mm -hmm. because they've they've achieved something or they have a certain level of education and that in itself makes them out of touch with people who don't have that same education or have not achieved that same level of success and what i think is the most fascinating thing about that kristen is both parties do it equally just depending on where in the country you're at so to me it makes it incredibly ridiculous. Yeah. And you also don't know how someone lives even within their lifestyle too. So like just because someone, you might have a perception of how much money they make or how much money they have, you don't know how much of it they're using or they're living off of either. Um, They might be living off of a third of their income. You don't, you don't know what they're doing with the rest of it. Nadia on Facebook uh, live stream notes, people assume people with that much money are corrupt. I think that's the basis of the belief and that they are using the little people to advance disproportionately. No, I mean, I think that is um, certainly the rationale that, that, that people feel. I, I remember when I was in the financial services industry as a, as a producer, isn't that fun when a financial advisor is called a producer? Uh, I, I remember being um, at a conference. This was, <laughs> Kristen, talk about not being around. This was in 1998. This was the summer of 98. I was a junior in college, Kristen. What? You should not be laughing in my face. I'm, I'm sorry. I was living. I was. Okay. Barely. <laughs> barely. <laughs> barely alive. Barely alive. Um, so uh, it was the summer of 1998. I was at a national conference. I was a college financial advisor. Believe it or not, I was a financial advisor in college, like is an internship, but they call you whatever. And I'm at this national conference and they do the top 10 best producers for this company go on stage. And it, it got to this point where the guy sitting next to me, who was from my branch office, sort of whispered to me and he said, here's what people don't realize about the top 10 people on the stage is that 60% of them are crooks because what they had to do to have that level of success in this business is shady. Now, is that gospel? Is that true? Is it an offhanded, uninformed comment? I don't know, but that happened in 1998. And I remember that. And I don't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday. So I do think there's some, some truth to that idea. Yeah. I mean, it was a core memory for you apparently. And that's what I was going to ask you is if you felt like it was true or now, looking back, if you feel like that was a true statement. Um, yeah, but that, I mean, that, that just feels like a hot take ready to be delivered. You know what I mean? I, I, it's hard to not be in the financial business and to not know a a crook story. Sure. Um, (laughs) what's also weird of the show broadcast out of central Indiana, there was this run about 15 years ago, maybe less, I'm bad with time that, Central Indiana was like the hotbed for Ponzi schemes. Really? Oh my gosh. It was truly like there was Ponzi scheme on Ponzi scheme on Ponzi scheme. Hmm. And the weird thing is 
and, and no, I'm not the connector to all of these people. I knew like three people involved with Ponzi schemes, you know, but not well, not acquaintances. We okay. weren't Facebook friends. Okay. But yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, it's sort of, anyway, back to shame. So Kristen, I, I think our, our takeaway or our hope of, of thoughts we want to share today is it's worth examining your relationship with shame as the giver or receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I highly recommend if you're going to go down this path, sit down with a beverage, talk to someone, you're one of your favorite people to have deep conversations with and have it. Kristen, if you're going to have a shame conversation, who are you having a shame conversation with? I don't even want to say it because his ego is going to get so big, but one of my best friends, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to, he's going to tell me how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I'm having a shame conversation, (laughs) frankly, I'd probably have the conversation with Dame. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dame and I, uh, on our weekly what-on-what's, we we start off with some pretty wild things. Uh, And by wild, I mean talking about publicly shaming people over finances. So, wow, we're we're a couple fun guys. Riveting. No wonder I have to host my own cocktail parties at work for anyone to hang out with me. Uh, All right, Kristen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with biggest waste of money of the week. We're going to invite our field reporter this week, Damian Dunn, to file his field news report um, as as we examine shame. I wonder if he added any shame ridden um, uh, stories to the news this week. You know, I do have to note there was a shame uh, related story this week with student loan forgiveness. And actually, I would have to note the whole forgive people's student loans movement is rife with shame on either side. So uh, much. You know, it, it's just like, man, we love shaming people. All right, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and the news right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Peter Dunn. See? I did. Damien is furiously searching for an article about shame right now. There he is. Hello, big man. Welcome. I, I've got three articles that may qualify. About shame? That may qualify for nice. shame. How you doing, man? Oh, hey, what I miss? Anything important other than just having my opinions totally dismissed and uh, not uh, not really acknowledged too much? We'll talk about it at my quarterly review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you bet we will. Uh, Dame, hi. How's your morning? Hi. It's, it's been really productive. I haven't had people to bother me, do stuff. It's been great. That's, sounds like those are shots at both Kristen and I. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, take it out if you want. I don't know. I don't uh, D- work until 1 p.m., so it couldn't have been me. Dame, oh, uh, your team has grown significantly uh, here uh, in the last uh, month or so. Um, I'm just, just, just to, for people to get a feel of, of what your life is like, just name the areas of the country of people that, uh, that, that you get to work with on a, a regular basis. Because it's pretty fascinating how our team is built. Uh, Virginia. Uh, Soon to be Texas. Uh, we've got New Mexico. We've got Utah. We've got California, uh, Indiana. So we're uh, we're all over the place right now, literally coast to coast. I was talking to uh, our business operations manager today, and every time we hire someone in a different state, let me tell you about the paperwork. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> what a nightmare. Uh, anyway, okay. Biggest waste of money of the week. Are we ready for this? I guess that's a question for me. Um, do, do, do. Can we acknowledge Grant's comment? No. Oh, I, I didn't see it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grant. Hold on. Oh, wait, hold on. Grant, 
Oh, Dame's right. Dame's right about the things that have never lived yet are not considered dead. Dead is the past tense of to die. To die, something must first be alive. Something that is not yet alive can't be dead. I mean, that's just so much better said than the way you said it. So logical that... Ashley coming off the top row. <laughs> Ashley's the one doing the paperwork. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, by the way, uh, Nadia, who's been commenting throughout the show today, old friend. I grew up together. We used to ride the school bus together back in uh, elementary school and middle school. So cool. shout out to Nadia. Um, all right. So isn't that nice that people who grew up with me will, will still acknowledge my presence? That is nice. That's one. One person, Pete. <laughs> True. That's one. You one said people. You said yeah. people will still is person will still acknowledge my existence. From the top rope. Man. And, okay. Enough of this. Uh, in three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, right here on the Pete Their Planner show, is the Buna Tandem Shower. Sharing a shower has its drawbacks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great piece of copy. Hold on. Let's just acknowledge that. Uh, sharing a shower has its drawbacks. Buna's Tandem Shower offers a solution for a more enjoyable experience. The, the rod-like attachment adds another shower head to your space, extending between the two walls of your bathroom and attaching to your existing shower head with a hose. It adjusts to accommodate people of all heights, and a valve can shut off the flow when only using one head. With three settings, the pressure is always on point, and by running one shower for two people, you're saving water. Installation is quick, easy, and requires no plumbers or contractors. Dame, what do you think? Are you trying to shame people who want uh, two heads of, in shower that, that have just a standard shower right I now? Don't know. I, I feel like you're you're looking down on people who are trying to come up with a cost-effective option here. I feel like I'm, I'm hunkering for a talking to from HR. <laughs> a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, Dane, what do you think it costs to take a shower with someone? What do you think the Buna tandem shower costs? Are we, are we talking city prices or a little bit more rural? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm talking about like if if you were to bring this to the country, you know, what what do you think you're paying to? It's a Kickstarter item, by the way. The oh. Buna tandem shower. It's a Kickstarter item. Uh, I I'm gonna go with um, one sixty nine ninety nine. Excellent, Brittany, and uh, Facebook Live notes two forty nine ninety five, and she's actually right. It is two hundred forty nine dollars. To have uh, a shower head extension where you can shower with someone else. I, I, I do have a, uh, a shower story if I can share it here on the show briefly. Uh, when uh, This is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> Trust me. Especially when I get out the first sentence. When Mrs. Planner and I first got married, um, I was under the impression that we were like buddies and we could play pranks on each other. <laughs> You know, it's like we're we're lifelong buddies that that you just you mess with each other. And so I remember once we first got married, she was like up in the shower and, and she was about to she was upstairs and I was like, well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna fill up a cup full of ice water 
and then go and pour it over the top of the shower door on her. And this was like a month into our marriage. This is like uh, August of 2020, 2000, August of 2000. That day, I learned that we were not buddies that could play pranks on each other. <laughs> I, have you ever seen a very small wet person get angry? I was just curious what it felt like to get your butt kicked by a, a naked woman. Yeah, well, let what's in the news this week, Dame? <laughs> U.S. home prices in March were up 15% from a year ago, an increase that is expected to contribute to a slowdown in home sales. The pandemic's home buying frenzy is starting to ease, and the volume of home sales is reverting to pre-pandemic levels, said National Association of Realtors Chief Economist Lawrence Yun. With mortgage rates at 5% and climbing the highest since 2011, Mr. Yoon said he expects home sales this year to be down 10% from 2021. The median existing home price in the United States is now... Guessing game. Oh, oh guessing game. Okay. Oh. Kristen. Me. You go first and then I'll go. Or do you want me to go first? You go first. The median home price. Dame, I feel like we did this months ago and I don't... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow it. I'm going to go... Yeah, months ago. It has changed, Pete. <sighs> I'm going to go $420,000. No. Kristen, would you like to guess a more intelligent guess? I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say like 275. Well, uh, as normally happens, Rick Swink brings logic to the conversation in the comments. He is exactly right. $375,000 is the median existing home price in the United States. Uh, faced with a white-hot real estate market, renters are losing confidence that they will ever own a home. On average, only 43.3% of renters expect to own a home at some point in the future, down sharply from 51.6% in 2021 according to Fed the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Kristen, do you get this feeling that Dame is somehow underhandedly trying to ruin your day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I do. He has no context. No, he I does. Have I have context. And he's still doing it? I know. Can you believe that? Reality is not always kind, Peter. I know. I own a mirror. What else is in the news? <laughs> According to a CBS News slash YouGov survey conducted last month, Americans are split on whether they pay more than their fair share in federal income taxes, or if it's just right. 45% of respondents said they pay too much. 47% felt like it was all right. And 8% actually want to pay more. Some other great tidbits here. 19% uh, of those under 30 were much more likely to say they pay less than they should for their taxes. Well, as the only person under 30 on this show today, <laughs> um, I think, you know, Kristen, um, do you pay the right amount of taxes, not enough or too much? I mean, I think, I think I pay too much in taxes, but what's interesting about those numbers is that didn't like 56% of Americans pay no federal income tax last year. So how do those percentages even match up? And that's why you're the director of education. <laughs> I think the number was like over half. So I don't know. Dan, so what's interesting about this question is 
and, and I think this was ultimately going to be Dame's point that I'm stealing from him. It's hard to ask this question without acknowledging the person's view on the money that the government does get if they do a good job with it, right? Like Dame, Dame that would that would be the direction you would go, correct? Sure, but I, I'm uh, not being paid to give points. I'm just reporting the news in an unbiased fashion today. Dame, do you think you? I mean, you're you're well well over thirty. Do you think? <laughs> You pay too much in taxes, not enough, or just the right amount? Too much. I'm trying to not be a contrarian here. I think I either play, <laughs> I think I pay the right amount or, or maybe not enough. But I would also say that as an individual and not as an employer, because as an employer, <laughs> <laughs> holy Moses. Pete, you know kind of what's going on in my life right now. We uh, we got reacquainted with quarterly taxes uh, this this past week. The worst week, thing so in the world. It's, it's, uh, I'm a little sore still from from thinking about that. That I, uh, it's the worst thing. Let me tell you about the two worst things in the world: um, a Jello salad that has both fruits and nuts in it, and quarterly taxes. Those are the two worst things in the world. Yeah. You know where uh, this uh, this whole uh, tax thing kind of goes off the rails, and I, I question the rest of the numbers. Is this little bit only six percent of the people who uh, said they were getting a refund this year say they're going to use it on something fun or special? Six percent. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Kristen, you talk to people. You have talked to people for years, all day long, about their finances. What percentage of people who get a tax refund do something fun or special with it? It's not six percent. Well, the majority. Yeah, 94%, right? Like it's, yeah, like, I think it's flipped. <laughs> it's most people because it, it feels like free money or like a bonus when it comes back from the government. I, I do have to make a point of admission. Um, if I do get a refund, which occasionally I do, but not really, but if I do, I, I usually put it in my kid's college fund, which to me is fun and special, but I think I'm a nerd. A <laughs> little bit, maybe, yeah. Dang, we have time for no more stories. Kristen, thank you for thank you. Uh, being on the show this week. Uh, Kristen will be a more frequent contributor here to the Pete the Planner show. The Peter Dunn show is it's going to be maybe called at some point in time. Dame, thanks for stopping in. Uh, hopefully you were able to sleep in a little bit, have brunch, and then they come and do the news. Oh, yeah. That's totally what happened this morning. You're a big brunch guy. Uh, that's all we have time for this week. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Peter Dunn show. I don't know. The, the mid-show rebrand sort of seems like a bad idea. <laughs> it's, that's not a great idea. I mean, if you thought people didn't believe we weren't related before, introduce it as Pete and Dame, uh, or Peter Dunn and Damian Dunn. That's not going to go well. So I'm just making a list, Kristen, of the people I have to talk to after the show based on this show. So I've got my first call with human resources, <laughs> and then I'm going to be talking to our marketing department. So this is great. I feel like this was a good show. Some work for you on a Friday. That's good. Dame, are you going to be upset you're not going to be at the uh, cocktail hour this, uh, this afternoon at the, the offices? Nope. Why? <laughs> you're not upset? Yeah. I was hoping to shame you. No, I, I, uh, I, I would love to have attended that. It would have been great. I remember mm. the good old days with the treat trolley. It would have been mm. great. Is the treat trolley coming out today? Well, uh, I've set up like a whole bar back, like a bar back uh, at the, the, hostess, uh, the host desk, the reception desk. 
we don't have a hostess. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but we have a reception desk uh, and I'm going to stand there and make cocktails tonight. Uh, but I do need to find the treat trolley train whistle. It's somewhere in the office because I'm going to have to go old school and, and, and blow it. Did it make the, the trip to, to the new location? Uh, it's here somewhere. And Rick okay. also brings up another department I may be speaking to after the show. Don't forget the conversations you're going to have with Mrs. Planner about the ice water bring. No, no. <laughs> he, Rick is assuming she's listening. No. I, I, the last time Mrs. Planner listened to this show, I don't. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. You know, I, but I, I think it's just the maturity of our relationship. We don't tend to just talk about my world uh, when I'm not home. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't sure. really want to talk about my show. Anyway. Um, awesome. Dame, any quick thoughts on shame that you want to share? I know we excluded you from that conversation. Um, it's dangerous for everybody involved, but the people that are doing the shaming because it's, uh, it's, it's really clouding how they, uh, their worldview and, and the people that are around them and they've got their own issues that they need to deal with, but it's also doing damage to the people they're trying to shame. Uh, and even if they think that's intentionally what they're trying to do, get over it, man, uh, move on. Uh, the, my, one of my favorite sayings ever is and and, uh, Chris and I pre-apologize for the first part of this. When you're in your twenties, you care what people think about you. When you're in your forties, you don't care what people think about you. And when you're in your sixties, you realize that no one was thinking about you the whole time. Uh, and I, to me, that can be the summation of shame. Um, so I hope to be 60 soon, not only in just sensibility, but this temple of a body. <laughs> when, uh, when are you going to get your new balance, Pete? That's what I want to know. Yes. Uh, my new balances. Um, I think my running shoes are new balances. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um that's it that's all we got uh so thanks kristen thanks dame Thank everybody else stay getting money <laughs>